Hallelujah. Father God, we have lifted your name today in expectation of you coming into this house, God. Lord, we need your presence. We need you to please come in, Lord, and inhabit the praises of your people. God, every need you've already supplied, every curse you've already corrected, every broken thing you've already brought back together, every troubled water you've already stilled, God, just one touch of your glory could heal everybody in this place. Just one thought from heaven today would mend up the brokenhearted. And God, I pray that from the children's church to the middle school ministry into this sanctuary, God, that your spirit would just flow and do what only you can do today, God, which is heal and to make whole and to consume us with your presence, God. We are never, God, as good as we can be apart from you. So bring us into your glory where we become excellent because of the righteousness in Christ. We love you today, and we praise your holy name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you, Christ, for being our sacrifice. And thank you, Father God, for giving us life today in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated in His presence if you're able to. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. I'm going to give you your weekly, I I give weekly, uh, I'm like the news now, I give weekly updates, a weekly COVID update and a weekly new uh, facility update. So uh, that's that's the way it's been going lately. Um, So the governor did uh, decrease, just in case you're wondering, he did decrease gatherings. You can only have uh, 25, but they exempted churches from that. And, 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 amen, that's, so, yeah, hold on to that good attitude, because then I'm going to scold you, um, because uh, as long, we can gather together as long as we don't have, you know, as long as we can still social distance, which we have this place set up to be able to social distance, uh, but we have to social distance, or you have to wear masks, and I don't want to preach with one, and you don't want to worship with one, but you have to, amen? So, on the second day of kindergarten, they taught you to stay in your seat and keep your hands to yourself, and some of y'all skipped that day. So allow me to do your catch-up work from when you was in kindergarten. Uh, you have to stay in your seat, and you have to keep your hands to yourself, or you have to wear masks, and we don't want to do that. I, I really don't want to do that. I hate to do it when I have to do it. So I, I, don't, I, can, I don't even imagine how I could preach with a mask on. I'd probably hyperventilate. Holy, y'all think I fell out in the Holy Ghost, and y'all be praising the Lord. I'm up here needing a, needing some nurse's assistance, and y'all be, oh, the spirit's all over him. No, he's just dying up there, and y'all ain't helping him. <laughs> so, so let's let's mind our, our p's and q's a little bit if we can. Amen. And then the the new facility, we've had quite a bit of help in the last uh, few weeks. We appreciate all the help that we've been getting. It's been a blessing to see people come out and help, and. Um, Building's starting to take shape. It's, it's, it's looking, uh, there's still some areas that's real grimy and grungy, but if what we've already taken care of is any indication, it'll all be uh, up to par very soon. So we're thanking God for everything. Uh, God's uh, really been blessing us, giving us some uh, uh, ways to get things done that we didn't, amen? And there's always things that you don't anticipate, like um, I wasn't expecting to have water come up through the concrete floor. But that's what we're dealing with now. So we got some plumbing issues that we have to deal with. And uh, but God's good, and He's going to take care of everything. Our every need, we He shall reply, uh, supply. I go out there and I look at all the work that needs to be done. 
And I just remind myself, the Lord is here, there shall be peace. So, uh, <laughs> amen. So I am on week three of a new series that I began. I told you I'm probably going to be going all the way through summer with this series. And the series title is called Under God. And I'm going to try to do something, and I told the 9 o'clock service this, I'm going to try to do something this morning uh, that I normally do not do. I, every preacher can't teach and every teacher can't preach. There's two different gift sets that God gives to people to be able to do those two unique uh, gift sets. And yet God has given me the ability to be able to do both. However, I normally don't try to teach on Sunday mornings because when I teach, I normally go uh, to a deeper level and it's hard for me to hit every faith level. It's hard to hit every maturity level uh, on Sunday mornings because that's when typically you have visitors come. That's when you have people come that uh, haven't heard the gospel stories the way that I present them when I teach. Uh, so usually Wednesday nights is when I go under that deeper level. So I'm, I'm going to try for the next several weeks uh, to, to teach you some things about God's nature. And I'm going to try to teach it in a way that uh, I, everyone can benefit from it. So y'all pray for the bishop because I'm, uh, I, I normally don't teach this way. But at 9 o'clock, I think I got my message across. I think it was okay. So uh, we, we will uh, trust the Lord to anoint his word. But what we're going to do is begin in Psalm 23. You may have heard of it. It's um, uh, Even if you haven't been in church ever before today, you've probably heard Psalm 23. Uh, it's one of the most famous passages of Scripture that's ever been written. And we're going to kind of dissect it and go through it this morning because I'm going to begin for the next several weeks. I'm going to start talking about the nature of God. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to tell you who God is. And in order to do that, we're going to look at his different names. And again, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, which I would do on a Wednesday. I did do it one time on a Wednesday. went very deep. Uh, this is going to be more surface level and more applicable, I hope, to uh, the masses. Psalm 23, uh, David begins writing in verse 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not Want. I want you to pay attention. Now, I know on the board uh, up here, every word is capitalized, every letter is capitalized, but if you have a normal Bible that you're looking at, you'll notice that uh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D is capitalized. When you see the word Lord in your Bible and it is all capitalized, that is one specific name for God. That name is Jehovah. We'll get into that a little bit farther uh, as we uh, go on in this series. But just for you uh, to notice this morning, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. That means Jehovah Rohi. He is my shepherd. One of the hardest things about serving the Lord is learning how to trust the Lord. I'm going to say that again. One of the hardest things about serving the Lord is learning to trust the Lord. Now, it is easy for me to preach you happy about going to heaven. It is harder for me to get you excited about the Lord taking care of your present troubles. Everybody believes God is going to take them to heaven when they die, but not everybody is on board with understanding that He takes care of your present needs, that He is a, he is a present shepherd. He, he, is, he is a shepherd that is not immune to your uh, troubles. We know He rescues us from hell, but I've come this morning to convince you that He'll also rescue you from COVID, and He'll, he'll rescue you from your marriage problems, and He'll rescue you from that trouble down at the office. I, I'm, I'm talking about a shepherd who takes care of his sheep. So if you're one of these people who has been totally convinced that God has got a plan for you when you die, 
I want to help you understand he's also got a plan for you to live today. This psalm is for you. David begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. The, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That word means Jehovah. He is the self-revealing one. David is remembering his days back when he was a shepherd boy watching over his daddy's flock. He understood the job of a shepherd. And as he reflects on his own life and the way that he cared for his daddy's sheep, he realizes that what he had been to his sheep, God has also been to him. So he uses his experience as a shepherd to give us an illustration of our relationship with God. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. That means Jehovah is the one I am looking to. If I could ever get the church to stop being a Republican or a Democrat and instead be a Christian, we'd really do something in this world today. Listen, I'm unabashedly against abortion, and I'm unabashedly against uh, uh, the, the way God in, intends marriages to be, and I'm, I'm, I'm unashamedly a preacher of the gospel and that the holiness is the way, is the highway that leads us to heaven. But I am neither Democrat nor Republican. I am a child of the Most High God, and His kingdom is not of this world. You understand? That my eyes are under the heavens and under the hills from whence cometh my help. It's not unto the White House or the Congress House or the Governor's Mansion. Because if I'm looking to that for help, I'm missing my shepherd. Notice how he says the Lord is, not the Lord was. I don't know about you, but I need a present God right now. I need a right now God right now. Come on, church. He is my shepherd. That means right now he's my shepherd. He's not fitting to. He's not getting ready to do something. He ain't organizing and structuring and worrying and wringing his hands and wondering. No, no. He is a God right now who is a shepherd right now. That means now he's got me covered. That means now he's taking responsibility over all the issues of my life. Not only is he a present tense shepherd, but pay attention, and you'll find out that he is a personal shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, not bishop shepherd, not the church of God shepherd. He is my shepherd. In other words, he doesn't just care for the group. He cares about each individual sheep. And because he cares for each individual sheep, then David can confidently say, I shall not want. Because God takes care of me. The shepherd takes care of me. He's already provided all my needs. Now, in order for you to recognize your need for a shepherd, you must first realize you are a sheep. So let's understand sheep so we can see how badly we need a shepherd. So let me first tell you, by my experience on Grandma's farm when I was a little boy, when Jesus repeatedly called you a sheep, he was not giving you a compliment. As a matter of fact, the only thing worse than being a sheep would be being a goat. Because when you're a goat, you're outside of the whole barnyard. At least being a sheep's going to get you to heaven. But he wasn't telling you a sheep because you're particularly cute. No, as a matter of fact, I want to tell you two things about sheep that will help you understand you abundantly need a shepherd in your life. Can I hear somebody say Amen. Uh, number one, sheep are D-U-M, dumb. Pastor, you misspelled it. That's because sheep can't spell either. 
Sheep are dumb. If you ever wonder how dumb sheep are, one sheep will start walking in a circle. Another sheep will see what he's doing. He'll start walking behind. Pretty soon, all the sheep are walking in the same circle, and they all think they're going somewhere. Sheep are so dumb with a, without intervention by a shepherd, they will start grazing on the grass, and if they're anywhere near a cliff, they will eat themselves to the edge and over the cliff and die. They will literally eat themselves to death. Some of you during quarantine know exactly that, how that feels. Sheep are dumb. He was not giving you a term of endearment when he called you sheep. He was telling you that sheep are so dumb you'll never see one in the circus because they can't be trained. You don't teach one to fetch or to roll over because sheep are too dumb. Which is why the Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. Because sheep will just wander off. La-di-da, I'm going my own way. However, whatever may be, will be. Sheep are, they, they need a shepherd because they're dumb. They need someone to watch over them and protect them. And number two, they are defenseless. They have no way to protect themselves against any kind of threat. So because of that, they need a shepherd in their life to protect them. That's why David goes on to say in verse, uh, in verse 2 and 3, he makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, whatever you have went through that has drained you, the shepherd understands that you will sometimes get weak. And he does what it takes to restore you. Did you hear the vernacular that he used there? He, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters because he restores my soul. I want somebody under the sound of my voice to hear this morning that whether it's a job situation or some kind of family stress or some kind of trouble with your health, it will drain you, it will drain you, but you have a shepherd that understands the calamities that have fallen in your life and he will make you to lie down beside the still water. He restores your soul. He is in the emotional healing business. He brings you the spiritual fulfillment that you need to get you through. When you think you're down to nothing, know that your shepherd is up to something, something good. So the first thing David says is that the Lord is your shepherd, so he will supply your spiritual needs. There's four needs that the, that the shepherd always supplies for the sheep. The first one is their spiritual needs. He said he restores their soul. You may be drained, but he knows how to make you lie down and refill you. Now, he goes from that and he says, when the Lord becomes your shepherd, he will also meet your directional needs. So he gives you your directional fulfillment or your spiritual fulfillment, and then he gives you direction. He leads me. Did you? He said, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. He, in other words, he takes me by the hand and shows me where to go. He doesn't just leave me to my own devices because sheep are too dumb to find their way. He leads me where he wants me to go. Now, most of you have used a GPS system. All they are are guidance devices. And the navigational system is designed to get you from where you are to where you're trying to get to. But here's the difference between your windshield and the GPS. Your windshield can only see the road in front of you. 
But a GPS is predicated on a positional system that's in outer space. So instead of looking at the road that's in front of you, the GPS can see not only the highway stretch that is immediately in front of you, but it can see your destination. So when the shepherd can see farther than you can see and knows more than you can know, he knows exactly how to navigate your life and to circumvent your situation to make sure that you arrive at your destination because he is up there. We are under God, and when he is up there, he's got a better view than we do. So if the Lord is your shepherd, you've got a private navigational system inside of you. It's called the Holy Ghost. And your GPS in your car doesn't help me at all if I'm lost. You knowing how to get where you're heading don't help me at all if I'm doing circles around the same block. I have to have my own navigation. In other words, I need my own system. I need one that can locate my position and find out where I'm going and give me the best route there. One of the worst things people try to do is piggyback on somebody else's relationship with the Lord. Just because grandma may speak in tongues don't mean it's helping you today. I wish I had a witness. Just because your mama played the organ at the first revival where the church broke up, that, that does not help you at all. you got to have your own, your own, your own relationship with this Holy Ghost that I talk about all the time. You need that the shepherd be directing your path. Don't come to church and say, boy, we got the best preacher. we got the best worship team. we got the best this. we got the best. No, no, no. You need to know him for yourself and say, I've got the best Jesus. I've got the best shepherd if you ever get what I got you'll never go back to what you had I wish I had a witness in this church sheep are prone to wander and they often take the wrong route when they left to their own device now don't answer this question this rhetorical. but how many of us if we had to do it over again would have took a different route to get to where we are right now some of you wouldn't have moved where you moved. Hello? Some of you wouldn't have done what you did. Some people wouldn't have married who they married, but that is another sermon for another time. Don't look around. Look right here. Don't get yourself in, don't get yourself in trouble this morning, John Wayne. Look right up here. But a personal shepherd will get you on the right path because he supplies your directional needs. He knows more than you know. I hope you've lived enough days to realize this. It took me a little while. Because sheep are D-U-N. It took me a little while to realize God knows more than I do. He's smarter than me. For a long time, I walked around. I got this. Until I didn't. And one day, I finally realized, huh, that fellow that's been around longer than I have and be around a long time after I'm gone, I maybe should take my advice from him. Because he ain't listening to me. The only problem I've ever had with the Lord, understand this. The Lord's took me a long way. He's done a lot of things. He's brought me a mighty long way. But the only issue I've ever had with the Lord is he won't mind me. I tell him how I want it, when I need it, and how to get it to me. And God does it his own way. He don't mind me at all. He's like raising a teenager. I give him all kinds of instruction, all kinds of guidance, all kinds of advice. And it goes in one ear and out the other. More on that later. Psalm 23 and verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk. Yea, though I walk. I start hooping right there. Back in the old days, I'd, start, I'd be up here in my suit and tie. I'd start hooping, and boy, I'd really uh, be bumping, jumping, make the Lord feel something up here. Yea, though I walk. <laughs> but listen to what he says. Through the valley, if I start hooping, I'll lose my mind, run these aisles, and we won't get to where we're going. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. For right now, I want you to pay attention that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, God don't waste words. If it's in there, it means something. And if it was a valley of death, it would say just exactly that, that it is a valley of death. But it doesn't say that. It says that it is a valley of a shadow of death. That means that that is different than being an actual valley where stuff died. That is different than being in a valley where folks don't arrive on the other side of it. See, he will meet not only your spiritual needs, not only your directional needs, but he will also meet your emotional needs. This is, this is why we end up in a place with God where we trust him to take us to heaven, but we don't necessarily trust him to take care of Sally down at the uh, salon. And we don't necessarily take, uh, uh, trust him to take care of our kids when they ain't under our spell. It's fear that causes us to doubt God we don't see what we want to see when we want to see it and so we start questioning whether God is able to do what God says he's able to do so I want you to stop just for a moment and I want to give you a redefinition of a valley because in the church world we have for years talked about valleys as a place we want to get out of as fast as we possibly can we want to avoid them at all costs it is a place of destitution it is a place of desolation it's a place of isolation it's a place of purgatory we don't want to be in the valley we sing about the valley low and we talk about how the valley is, is a place where we feel like we're about to die and I'm not discounting your experiences in the valley however I do want you to realize that the Bible said that he walks with me when I'm in this valley of the shadow of death I would be afraid of the evil if I was in there by myself but the Bible says you aren't with me in other words I want you to realize that a valley is not some place for you to go to die. A valley is a low place that you experience between mountains. That means if I'm in a valley today, there's a mountain in my future. If I am riding low today, I'm fitting to ride high in the very near future. Don't dance on my grave, devil, because I wasn't buried here. I was planted here, and I'm coming up out of here because the Lord is with me. Shoo. Everybody loves the mountain. Good stuff goes on on the mountain. Sun shining, health is good, you feel good. You got vibrations going through your spirit when they're on the mountain. Money is good and your family is good. But you realize you can't go from one mountain to the next mountain without going through a valley? I'm looking around here. I don't see no capes on none of y'all. Y'all can't fly from mountaintop to mountaintop. The only way to get from the mountain you're on to the mountain God's intended you to be on is to go through a valley. Mountains are separated by valleys. But the good news is valleys mean another mountain is up ahead. But only... Notice what David said, yea, though I, only when you walk through it. Some of you need to just walk it out. 
I know you've been going through it. I know you've been in trouble. I know you've been feeling like quitting, but some of you just need to get a walk it out kind of spirit. That the Lord didn't bring me into this to leave me to die. He has brought me through this because when I'm coming out, everybody that saw me go in and thought I was about to die is going to see me when I come out on the other side because he is with me and my shepherd provided all the way. Every step. I don't know how many steps it is to get through a valley. All I know is I'm going to take that one and then I'll take that one and then I'll tell you and however many it takes me to get to the other side he is with me uh, so, 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 so everything that happens to us in the valley happens when you walk it out not when you sit down and whine it out pity party is the only kind of party Jesus won't attend you have to keep walking. I know some of you feel the coldness of the valley, but the only way to get out of it is to keep on keeping on. Keep walking. The valley of the shadow of death. Now, David knew what he was talking about because he was a shepherd. And when sheep was walking in the valley, when the sun would go down behind the mountains, it wouldn't necessarily be nighttime. However, a shadow would cast across the valley. I'm from the free state of McDowell County, West Virginia, where the mountains are so high you get about 45 minutes of sunshine every day. Mountains on the, over here on the east, and by the time it gets about 45 minutes, it's done went down behind the next mountain. It ain't nearly time for bed. But it, you already got long shadows in the valley because the mountains are so high and the valleys are so low. And when a sheep was walking in the valley and the sun would go down behind the mountains, it would not be nighttime but sheep, did I mention, are dumb. And because the shadows would start falling into the valley, the sheep thought it was nighttime. So not only would they just lay down and stop matriculating through the valley, but they would also get fearful because sheep can't protect themselves. And so as the night grew on, they would get more and more nervous of predators coming. And ultimately, night was going to come. But it's not here yet. They had to keep walking. See, 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 ultimately, yeah, night's going to come and it's time for you to lay down. But this was just a shadow of night. It wasn't time to quit moving forward just yet. Ultimately, there'll be a time where you just need to hunker down and ride it out until the sun rises the next morning. But this ain't that because that'll come later. Right now, it's just a shadow. It's not real darkness. It's not the real nighttime. It's not the real threat. It's not the real time. It, this is a shadow. This is something showing up, puffing up its chest, trying to intimidate you, trying to make you lay down, trying to get you to back up, trying to get you to leave church, trying to get you to quit praying. It's trying to get you to doubt God trying to get you to forget the word trying to get you to forget the promises trying to forget you to, to, for you to forget that God has already spoken that no weapon formed against you shall prosper trying to make you back up and lay down but I'm telling you that that devil is a lie and that you are built to survive the valley of a shadow of death every sheep with a shepherd has somebody there with them to protect them. And if he is with me, listen to what David said, I will fear no evil. No matter how bad things get, don't you stop walking. Hello. Don't you start talking about quitting. 
I don't care how bad it is. Pastor, you know how bad it is. No, I don't know. I know that we are under God. I know that we're not under COVID. We're not under the CDC. We're not under uh, the, the racial divides that are dividing the nation. We're not under those things. Those things are supposed to be under us, not us under them, because we are under Him. Our minds are supposed to be fixed on something higher than all this because He is the answer. It's a shadow. Don't you stop walking. You're going through some crazy stuff in your life. It's a shadow. Don't stop walking. It's just a mountain waiting to happen. Now the sheep got in the valley and the shadows would get dark and they couldn't see the S-U-N. And sometimes you get in the valley and the shadows will get dark and you can't locate the S-O-N. But just because you can't see him don't mean he ain't with you. It's a shadow. You in a low place, but what will bring you through is thou art with me. Now, now we all feel when he's with us on the mountain, but this says he goes with me in the valley under the cover of the shadow and when the sun can't be seen, he's still there. And what kind of fool would it take to think that even God can't make it out of a valley? If he's with me, I'm coming out of this. Now, don't touch nobody, but just look at your neighbor and say, I'm coming out of this. Uh-huh. How are you going to do it? How are we going to survive it? I'm glad you asked. When you're in the valley, you need to learn how to focus on the shepherd. You need to learn to focus because it's all about focus. There's a little boy. I read a story many years ago. I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it's, it fits in this situation. A little boy went to the zoo with his daddy. And his daddy got a little ways away from him, and they were at the lion's cage. And that little boy was fascinated by this big lion, and all of a sudden that lion roared, scared that little boy, and he went running over to his daddy. He said, what's the matter with you? He said, that lion scared me. His daddy brought him back over to the lion cage. Daddy, daddy, don't go back over there. Look at that lion. Look how big he is. Look at his teeth. Look how sharp they are. Listen to his sound. Listen how loud he is. Daddy, look at that lion. I'm scared of the lion. And his daddy says, son, don't look at the lion. Look at that cage. And as long as there's a cage between you and it and it and you, it can't do you no harm. And I came here to tell somebody that you need to quit looking at how long them shadows are in that valley and you need to focus your eyes on the shepherd because as long as the shepherd is between you and the lion, you and the wolf, you and the devourer, you and that shadow, it can't do you any harm. You can put your ankle bones down in the wilderness sand and say, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I have come to represent the name of Jehovah, giants will fall, walls will come down, oceans will split open, whatever it takes to get me to the other side, my shepherd is with me. Can you give him about five seconds of praise right there? But you got to stop looking at the mess and focus on the shepherd. You've got to stop worrying about everything going on around you. Turn the news off. And look at the shepherd. Because while in the valley surrounded by shadows, you have to find the shepherd and fix your eyes on him. I'm telling you, you will make it if you keep walking. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Which leads me to the fourth thing that a shepherd does. He supplies your physical needs. 
Now, verse 5 says this. It says he prepares a table. Now, we Pentecostals. The only folk going out to eat us is the Baptist. And it's a close race. We Pentecostals, we like a table being set. I wouldn't hear nothing my grandma said all day long. She'd tell me to go out and milk the cows. She'd tell me to go out and feed the chickens. I didn't hear none of that. But as soon as I heard that tablecloth rolling back, I was right in that kitchen. What do you got to eat, Grandma? I could hear it all the way across the field. I could hear her get out her rolling pin, pin, get ready to make some homemade biscuits there on that table. I could hear that. I couldn't hear nothing else she said. But I would, anytime she started setting the table, I could hear it. He says, I prepare a table for you. But he, in the oddest of places. I mean, in the craziest of places. He, he didn't say, I'm going to take you down to McDonald's or Applebee's. He said, I'm going to fix you a table in the presence of your enemy. Now, what is an enemy? An, anything, an enemy is anything that threatens your security. Here's what God's saying. Whatever is against me won't keep me from eating. Whatever hell devises to attack me with won't stop me from finishing my course. Because right in the presence of it, that means while I'm digging in, God makes the enemy stand there and watch me. That means that everything that the devil intended for my evil, God not only turned it around for my good, but he made the devil watch me use it for my he wouldn't even let the devil leave the vicinity. He said, right there where he's at. You see all that hell you brought him through? I'm going to set him down right in your, in your presence. Put a bib around his neck. Give him a knife and a fork and tell him to dig in. And everything you saw used against him, I'm going to use to bring him up. And you're going to watch it happen. All that stuff that is going on right now, the virus and all the divides and the political junk and the jargon and the chaos and the confusion, still all of that has come and you still got food on the table. You still got a place to lay your head. You still got clothes on your back. There's still provision. Why? Because your shepherd knows. Leaving in the midst of a bad situation how to take care of his home. And I know I ain't the only brother or sister in this room that can testify that in the middle of some mess, things didn't look good, and God showed up and made a way where there seemed to be no way. And even though you were in an adversarial situation and couldn't see no light at the end of the tunnel, didn't God do it? And won't God do it again? But I'm going to give you a clue, and this, is, this, this right here is worth writing down and worth the admission cost of coming to church this morning. Never confuse your resource with your source. See, see, I want you to understand, you only have one source. Jehovah-Rohi, my shepherd. He is the source. And he can manipulate, confound, confuse, and use all different kinds of resources to get stuff to you. But he alone is the source. That's why you should never go to work and act like that job is your source and your supply. Because you can lose that job today and your source will still be on the throne and he can lead you. He's a good shepherd. And he'll just take you wherever he needs you to be and give you something better. You thought 
when they packed their bags and walked out of your life and didn't want to have nothing to do with you. You thought your life was over. You thought you you was never going to be the same. You thought you couldn't carry on. But your they were not your source. They were a resource. And if you keep on walking through that valley, you'll find out your shepherd's got something better for you. Waiting on them. My God. So don't ever get the two confused. That means when one resource shuts down because of COVID, your, I, I, saw, I heard yesterday on the radio, 110,000 businesses have closed forever since March. Most of those would be small businesses, you know. People that put everything into their, their very existence and they're never going to reopen again. And man, it's easy when you're going through that kind of tragedy to think, how am I going to make it? But when you got a shepherd, one supply will dry up, one resource will dry up, and that shepherd is your source. He'll supply in another way. If he's got to snatch meat off the king's table in the beak of a raven and deliver it down by the brook Cherith, that's what he'll do. But he'll take care of his sheep. So, so if the Lord is my shepherd, he takes care of my spiritual needs my directional needs, my emotional needs, and my physical needs. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. And your rod and your staff brings me comfort. Y'all, y'all shaking y'all's head like y'all knew that that verse was in there. Do you know what it Your rod and your staff, they do they now. You didn't grow up in the house I grew up in. Let me tell you about Rife Mitchum for a minute. Rife Mitchum had a belt my whole existence. That was not for holding up pants. He had a belt that was buckled all the time. He never wore it. No, no, no. No, it hung prominently on a nail. In the living room, as a reminder of the danger that would be following if it ever came down off the nail. Now, kids today, y'all don't know what to talk about, but we used to get things called whoopings. My dad beat me all the way to death one time, had to bring me back to life so he could whoop me some more. <laughs> I know y'all don't know anything about them kind of things today. We, we're, we're kinder, gentler parents now. But, but back then, we got whoopings. I got whipped for crying over a whooping I got. They would whoop me, look at me and say, now dry that up before I whoop you again. You're the reason I'm crying now. Now he had that belt hanging on that nail. We would change houses. We would move into another house. He wouldn't hang up curtains. He wouldn't hang up blinds. The first thing he did was beat a nail in so he could hang his belt. Because he figured by the end of the day, he's going to need it. I need to know where that belt is in a hurry. Because that youngin. And never one time in all my many beatings I got. Oh, by the way, they used to do it at school too. When, I, when my, they had this stupid thing when I was growing up called open house. I hated open house. Open house at the school 
meant beating house when I got home. And in third grade, I can still remember my mother coming up, shaking hands with, with Miss Bookie. I can still remember her coming up, shaking hands with her, and telling her, say, there's going to come a time real soon when you're going to need the, you're going to feel the need to beat this young. You don't have to call me. You don't have to send no letters home. Just go ahead and paddle him and then let me know because he's going to get another one when he gets to the house. It was a different time. I don't feel as old as that makes me sound. <laughs> but it was a different time. And teachers used to paddle me. And then I'd get home and I'd get that belt took down off the wall because you don't disrespect teachers at the, church, at, the, at the schoolhouse and then come home and mom and daddy blame the teacher. No, 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 it was my fault. And none of the paddlings that I got from the principals or the teachers or grandma or grandpa or mom or dad, a lot of people beating me. And none of them whoopings I took would I ever describe as comforting. Never one time when I seen Rife Mitchum reach for that belt did I say, here comes some comfort. You know what the shepherd does with that rod and that staff? He'll knock a sheep in the head. I read a, I read a book years ago, A Shepherd's Guide to the 23rd Psalm, and he, he was describing how, he, how you raise sheep. And in order to correct a sheep, sometimes you go, yeah, you have to use the club to beat the wolves away, but sometimes they knock them in the, in the forehead because they got thick skulls, as were some of you. And they got thick skulls, sometimes you have to wrap them on the head. That's not comforting. That belt brought me no comfort. However, I do look back now and realize that we had paddling in schools, and you know what we didn't have? Shootings. We didn't have gang wars and teachers getting slapped, and teachers never feared for their lives. I had little 98-pound, 75-year-old women. I was scared to death of them. You never in a million years would have thought to jump up and act like you was going to slap a teacher. She would slap the taste clean out your mouth, tell you to pick it up. It wouldn't have happened back in the day. I mean, we didn't have, we didn't have, we don't have those things, but we also don't, didn't have some of the other things that goes on today because maybe there's more comfort to this rod thing than I give credit for. See, ain't nobody afraid of the Lord no more is the problem. God ain't went Old Testament on nobody in a spell. In the Old Testament, he just opened up the earth, swallowed up about 127,000 people so Pastor Moses could keep the church. God ain't went Old Testament. He ain't sent no vipers in to bite just the complainers. <laughs> he hadn't done that in a while. He hadn't sent no plagues in a while. Well, maybe. He hasn't went Old Testament, so ain't nobody afraid of the Lord anymore. Uh, if you want to know what it feels like, be the Lord. If you really want to know what it really feels like to be like God, try raising teenagers. Listen, you're never more God-like than when you try to raise teenagers because you'll learn to talk with nobody listening. You'll learn to give guidance and nobody follow it. Now, I never could understand. Now, my hand is not in here this time, but Jared, he's back there. Hi, Jared. Jared is a perfect example of this story I'm about to tell. His older sister was too. I never could understand teenagers' logic. Because in my house, dad controls the means of finance. Dad controls the blessing. 
He tells you where you can go, when you can go, if you can go, and who you can go with. In other words, all the blessings that you have are under His control. And in order to operate in all of those blessings, all you have to do is keep the commandment. And yet, don't that seem like a simple formula? Yes, you can have a cell phone. Yes, you can spend the night. Yes, your friends can come over. Yes, we'll buy you a swimming pool. Yes, we'll buy you a puppy. Yes, we'll put cable in your room. Yes, 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 say that word. Yes, yes, that's a good word. And all of these blessings, my son, I'll give to thee. But the minute you say no, They sacrifice all the yeses for that one stupid no. And they throw all of the blessing away to chase the one thing they wasn't supposed to touch. And now instead of, yes, you got a phone, it's, yes, I'm going to take your phone. Yes, you're grounded and you ain't going to your friend's house. Yes, you're grounded and you're not going to have anybody over. Yes, the pool is closed down for the summer. Yes, yes, yes. My yes still sounds the same, has a totally different meaning. And go over and read Deuteronomy chapter 28 and you'll find out your heavenly shepherd, your father, is the same way. Because in Deuteronomy 28, he's got one people on one mountain and he's got an opposite uh, side of the mountain he's got another group of people. And one group of people is over here saying, if you obey the Lord, he'll give you long life. And they're shouting back, if you disobey him, he will kill you. If you keep his commandments, he will make your enemies run away. If you bring a curse on your house, your enemies will take all your stuff. Because God wants you to understand that if you do things his way, the shepherd takes care of everything. And you have no need to want for a thing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So if he's my shepherd, he takes care of all my needs. Now what do I have need of if he meets my emotional, my directional, my spiritual, and my physical need? I guess he's saying that if he's my shepherd, he meets everything. So that only leaves me one question. Is he your shepherd? Now, don't get that question twisted. I didn't ask if he was your Savior. I asked if he's your shepherd. Well, what's the difference, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. In Bible days, when shepherds would be out with their flocks, they were limited as to where they could find water. I mean, it is a desert after all. So when they would come upon a water hole, there would often be three, four, maybe as many as a dozen Shepherds with all their flocks drinking out of the same water hole. I don't know about you. I don't know how close you are to your sheep. But they all kind of look alike to me. I can't tell one from the other. And when you start mixing them all together, my sheep, your sheep, everybody else's sheep, and they're all drinking out of the same, I can't tell. They didn't have brands like cattle do today. I can tell my dog from your dog. I know the difference between your cat and my cat. Our cat looks a lot like Cindy's cat, but I still know the difference. But you get a bunch of sheep around the same water hole, I can't tell you that I'm going to snatch mine. So when the shepherd would get ready to move on and take his sheep with him, he would say, come. 
come. And the sheep that had walked with him would recognize his call and would leave the masses and follow the shepherd. Now here's the difference. No wonder in John chapter 10 verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they won't follow another. The problem is we got a lot of folks that have hung around Jesus, but they have not got close enough to him yet to know his voice. So we listen to a bunch of voices that lead us astray and we get mixed around with all the other sheep and we get dismantled and we get discombobulated and when he starts calling, come, 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 we can't hear his voice and don't recognize him. So we stay where we are instead of falling where our destiny is. All because we haven't gotten close enough to him to know his voice. So if you're not following him, He's not your shepherd. He may be your savior. You may have said a prayer and meant it in your heart. And you may be holding on to a strand of salvation. And you're going to slide in under the uh, gates of heaven. And can't believe I made it. And that may be all you're interested in. That may be good enough for you. I, I, I wouldn't want to live that close to the line myself. But it may be enough to get you to heaven. But I want to walk with him. I don't want to just know him. I want to know him in his fullness. I want to live my life in such a way that if it displeases him, it displeases me. If it hurts him, I don't want it in my life. I want to know the shepherd. When the shepherd says, come, I don't want to be distracted by the masses. I want to be able to get in line and go where he is leading me. How many times have I spent more nights than I should have in the valley? Because I did not hear the call of the shepherd. Complaining about the valley. Whining about the valley. Being upset and heartbroken in the valley. And I could have gotten out sooner if I would have known his voice. That's good preaching, preacher. In other words, you can get the benefit of heaven when you die and miss the benefits of living with him here. And it's not good enough for me. I want both. I want to walk with him. When I wake up in the morning, I want to say, thank you, Jesus. When I lay down in bed at night, I want to say, thank you, Jesus. And every moment in between, I want to be pleasing to the shepherd. He's a good shepherd, and he has been far too good to me for me to neglect him right now. Pastor, I'm in a valley. Good. Focus on the shepherd. Pastor, I've really been through it lately. Good. Now you know who brought you through. Pastor, I've been wandering aimlessly for a while. I need to get back on track. Good. Because he's a shepherd that didn't, didn't let you get too far out of the way. He's been correcting you even when you didn't feel it. That rod and that staff, they've been dragging you back to correction all this time. He's still with you. You haven't strayed too far. You're here, ain't you? As long as you can still do this, there's still a chance for you. Because he's a shepherd who loves his sheep and is always going to be there as willing as you are. He is ten times that to bring you back. You bow your heads with me this morning. Father God, what a good shepherd you are. This word, Lord, has only confirmed what we already knew in our hearts and in our spirits. 
you will cross any divide, bridge any gap to get to us. You have led us every step of the way. Some of us would not even be in this room right now had you not been on our side through the valleys. Some of us would be incarcerated. Some of us would be dead. Some of us would be in mental institutions. There are marriages here today that would have been broken and divorced. There are children here that would have been abandoned from their parents. But God, you have been with us. Even when we didn't recognize you, you were there. So help our hearts this morning. God, connect with us in a supernatural way. Let your Holy Spirit right now devour everything in our lives that distracts us from hearing your voice. And speak, Holy Spirit. Speak to the heart of every sheep in this place. God, humble us in your sight. And help us to be spiritually full. Not in love with this world. Not distracted by its trappings. But God, in love with our shepherd. In love with his voice. That we will follow him all the way to our destiny. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Can you just say that out loud? Thank you, Jesus. Do you appreciate him this morning? Tell him like you mean it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead. Give him, give him about five seconds of praise. He's worthy. Thank you, Jesus. What a mess you'd have been if it hadn't have been for him. What a train wreck your life would have become if it hadn't have been for the shepherd guiding you along the path. Oh, you, some of y'all, like me, y'all made some mistakes. Y'all tripped over, yeah, yeah. A, a good man don't know how to get out of his own way. A good woman don't know how to get out of her own way. We need a shepherd to come along and conk us in the head every once in a while, get us straight. But some of y'all know what I know. I, I didn't deserve to be standing in front of a crowd of people telling them about Jesus. No, 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 no. That wasn't, that wasn't the plan I had for my life. And I certainly didn't deserve it but there was a shepherd that even while I was living in debauchery and doing my own thing there was a shepherd coming along saying you ain't you ain't there yet but one day just keep 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 going keep going that way just keep going that way and in all the way into an altar where I bowed my knee and said a prayer and received Jesus Christ as my Savior all the way to the back of the church at the Montcalm Church of God with them little blue hair grannies praying the Holy Ghost down on me all the way to the pulpit at the Montcalm Church of God where I stood there with trembling knees and sweat running down the back of my uh, shirt so thick that you could see it from 30 yards away and I never left the pulpit because I was vibrating so bad all the way uh, from leaving our home and driving and moving 351 miles all the way from locating this church to another location all the way the shepherd has been there saying that ain't the right way you're going to go there here we go go a little over here and all the way I didn't deserve it but here we are he's been good to me can you say the same he's been good to me God bless you this morning promise of victory